podcast informs listeners that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed solely belong to the host and not necessarily to their employer or any other group of individuals. It is not a research report. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. It is for informational purposes only and should not be construed otherwise. everyone, it's July 1, 2021, and you're watching me, Nikki Yu, also known as Faces Trader. This is the Awesome 10x Global Market Update. Let's begin. So we're going to discuss July already, and we're seeing SPACs actually getting a lot of love. Let's read the SPAC track calendar. Congrats uh, for everyone who's actually been making in SPAC warrants. Let's see what else we have in store. So ASPL is going to have a merger with Wheels Up. So amongst these things, I'm going to tell you companies that I believe upon. AS, ASPL is going to be Jam City, so it's going to be a mobile gaming company. Uh, A1 Shareholders is going to meet right now and merge with uh, Mark Forge. This one I also agree upon. Um, DCRB is going to be Heisen Motors. The rest I haven't studied, I'll be very honest, but this one looks interesting for me. Cellularity, Rockley Photonics, even if I don't know much about these, uh, why don't we read each one of them? So what is... Um, wait, I have to answer this. Wait, I'll just uh, answer somebody. Okay, so um, all right, let's read. What exactly happens to SPACs when they change name and they actually uh, merge? Usually, the stocks go up, except that Origin Materials fell. Do I know what's going to happen in the future? Well, what I do know is that Origin Materials is a biodegradable plastics that we believe upon. So if you have Origin Materials as high as 10 or 11 or even at 12, uh, even here at 8, although I don't know how low it goes, we think that Origin Materials will follow the same thing that happened with Auster. So Auster actually fell also below 10, also going as low as $7.50 here. You could see, um, you could see that it actually fell 50% from 18 all the way to as low as $8.00. We're actually buying somewhere at 10 to 8. So right now, this is actually going up to $12. We do think that's going to happen for Origin Materials. So with Origin Materials right now trading at $8, it's, it's actually more of a buying opportunity to me rather than a selling. I'm looking to see whether it bounces at $7.50 or so forth. Now, um, in terms of SPACs, as you know, A1, aka Mark Forge, let's take a look at the warrants because this is going to change name this week. Uh, okay, so uh, exactly the date is July 13. So um, A1 has already grown from 1.5 to as much as 230, and you're seeing that it can actually hit as high as three or four dollars. So um, it's almost the same price as during the February and March area, which tells you that people are actually very bullish on Mark Forge. The January March area A1 was about 13 dollars. Meanwhile, the stock is still at 10. Um, I don't know what the reasons are for, uh, for the SPACs to actually just stay at 10. But what I've done with all of my SPACs is, if I believe in a company, I just simply switch it to the warrants. Example, if I have Mark Forge A1, I would switch it to A1 warrants. And you could see um, that the warrants actually managed to go up over the last May until today, actually more than 50% up already. So um, if you were losing, let's say, 20% on it, um, just switching, just simply switching on the warrants will already make you up. 
Uh, okay, let me take a look at uh, other positions. Heizen Motors. Heizen Motors or um, okay, uh, DCRB, also an electric vehicle. Let's take a look at that. DCRB, decarbonization. Take a look at the warrants. So are the people bullish on the EVs? Yes, the answer is it also rose already 50% up. From $1.50, it's now to 30 I think that the majority of the warrants are growing 100 to 200%. So uh, we would be, uh, if ever you're in the SPAC stock, take a look at these uh, SPACs. Uh, specifically, not the SPAC, but actually the warrant. Assuming you've got the stock, you shift your $10.30 SPAC to, uh, to the DCRV warrants. Um, let's take a look at these uh, combinations. What is cellularity? GXGX, uh, merging with cellularity. I don't know what cellularity is. The reason why I'm trying to take a look at these stocks is because right now, a lot of people are buying and selling or at least trying to learn and invest in a lot of biotech names. Palantir is actively working on stocks and investing in Babylon Health. Alright, let's take a look at that. Cellularity and GXGX announcing a merger. Cellularity is entering into a multi-year strategic partnership. So it's going public through a SPAC merger. I think right now you're seeing that the market is basically buying a lot of disruptive SPACs, specifically biotech SPACs. If it's not biotech SPAC um, or if it's not uh, an ESG SPAC, it has less, uh, le less, less news coverage. So let's read about these news. Um, I'm still bullish on Palantir. In fact, Palantir, what you want to do here is just keep on investing and um, really looking to buy on any dips. So Palantir gave you a buy area about $22 and then there was a good dip here about during the earnings was very good. That was a bullish signal from about 18 to 20. Now, there was really um, a plan to just hold on to this long term. So even if it goes $30 or $35, I'd say that some of us are just never going to sell this and we're going to wait at about next 2025 or 2030, see where Palantir is. Hopefully by then it's about $80 or $100. But uh, definitely nothing wrong uh, holding a company that's just really strong in all the life sciences. Let's see how, um, how Palantir is now working with Babylon Health. It's loading, so let's see. I'm going to read to you some news. Oncolytics Biotech Spellarurep, associated with therapeutic efficacy, improved clinical outcomes in breast cancer. Okay, um, ONCY, together with Salty, announced a new clinical data for breast cancer studies. Data was presented. These patients were um, were working with Roche's PLD inhibitor atezolizumab before surgery. Okay, so um, all I can say right now is that the entire the entire biotech space is strong. Let me show to you how it's been moving. Some are getting placements, like uh, what happened with Czech right la last night. Uh, but similarly, a lot of companies continue to continue to go higher, like uh, what happened with um, Editas, Beam Therapeutics, CRISPR, and so forth. And Talia continue to go higher. So um, you're seeing that biotech as a sector has dropped uh, near support, nearing that uh, one-year support. And most of the market caps are very small. So I'm actually saying that I'm interested with Jinko Bioworks. Nonetheless, I'm taking a look at almost almost a sector, not necessarily a company, but the sector. So let's take a look at the charts of many biotech names. Let's go for the USA first, and uh, let's go for the big ones. Okay, market caps, all right. So, okay, 
take a look at the performances of the entire biotech sector for the year. Performance for the year. Well, it's like 10x everywhere, right? Whatever this company is, Veracta Therapeutics, Ocugen, was up like 35x for the year. Uh, Cassava Sciences, Anovis Bio, Eledon Pharmaceutical, Viridian, Chemomab. So some names are so strong, but they also went down. So, Curis, diba? Curis, biotech name from 16 to 8. I think like what's happening, Ces and Bio, also up. I'd have to assume that not everyone knows what's happening with these stocks, but they're buying the charts. Let's take a look at each chart, quick format. All right. So from a chart perspective, people will buy uptrends. Or the companies that they already know are vetted out. For instance, everybody knows that Intelia went up. So any dips of Intelia will get a buyer. Um, and Vita, I'll, I'll say my uh, ideas in the space. But definitely in the space, we've been looking to buy more dips on bio nanogenomics and pack bio. So you're noticing that pack bio and bio nanogenomics actually are sleeping right now here at seven dollars. Nonetheless, seven is actually fourteen x from last year. This is fifty five cents here. This is seven dollars here on dips here at about five dollars. We also bought. We know that this correction was just a drop because of a massive movement from fifty five cents to seventeen eighteen dollars. So what's happening with bionanogenomics is really about genetic editing, getting a lot of coverage, and people are actually seeing that we will break our codes, meaning all of your GATCs, we're going to be able to program and uh, edit your genes. So before we do that, we have to do a lot of sequencing, and bionanogenomics is doing that with Sapphire software. So um, any dips of bionanogenomics at 7 to 5 or 6 is all a buying opportunity. How do you handle that? You can do many things. You could do sell puts at six strike. What does that mean when you sell a put? You're collecting your buy nanogenomics at six dollars if it ever goes down. And if it doesn't, then you collect a premium. Even if the premium is just 50 cents, let's say you buy one contract of sell puts on buy nanogenomics at six strike and make it August 20, uh, 2021, let's say a, a month from now. I do that because I want to own buy nanogenomics at six or lower. In order for me to collect winners at a, at a very good price, the best way, and I've told this to many people, is to sell, put, sell puts. Sell an out-of-the-money put. Right now, uh, a $6 strike is good enough. A $5 strike is even better. But that's something that is possible for genomics. How about for PacBio? Should you chase it at 35 Nope. I won't chase it at 35 but that doesn't mean that PacBio is not going to 40 or 50 In fact, this is likely to go higher. PacBio and Bionanogenomics is actually partners. In fact, PacBio is stronger in the space. If you've heard about Jinko Bioworks, Jinko Bioworks and PacBio work together. And um, there's a lot. Like um, There's companies like Twist Biosciences also working with uh, Jinko Bioworks. So how do you actually make money on these trends? Number one, you have to learn more. And uh, you have to read more about the healthcare sector. Charting was, is just one factor. That's not going to be enough. Uh, we still have to listen to uh, the updates that are actually being covered straight by the PhDs and the engineers, uh, not engineers, the PhDs and the scientists. So uh, for Twist Biosciences, for instance, you cannot actually, we, we gave a buy record at $100. But if you didn't buy low, what you got to do is either sell put 
10 to 20 percent lower because you know that these are going to be by the dips type of companies twist biosciences at 140 there could be some selling but if you could sell a put with a strike of 120 you should for those who don't know what a put option is a put option is the is the ability for somebody to sell their shares to you at 120 so by selling a put somebody is buying a put right so you are the seller you get, you get a premium let's say the premium given to you is about five dollars so at 120 strike you're willing to buy and since you got a five dollar premium that means 120 minus five or 115 is your actual cost you're committed to buy 100 shares for every contract that you sell a put upon you do that only if you're bullish in the sector so example if i'm bullish on twist biosciences i'll do that if i'm bullish on biotech in general how can i do that okay so a lot of people just do biotech through art genomics nothing wrong with that except that um there's a lot of ways to make money through no through your knowledge if you know that everyone's entering through art genomics what is the largest um company inside art g well it's the company such as pacbio teladoc for instance and so how would you make money from it you can see that Teladoc, uh, of course, you have to do your fundamentals. We do know that Teladoc is a leader in the telemedicine space. And not just that, they're actually a platform. So um, they're able to help people who have diabetes. Of course, they own Livongo as well. So they have a lot. <clears throat> what you want to do here is buy it on dips. If you don't know how to buy on dips, you sell puts. That's something that we always teach people. Sell puts at about a clear price. Sample here, Teladoc, where would be the sell put strike? beneficiary better buy here at about 149 right so if you want to buy at 149 all that you got to do is sell put at 150 you collect a premium whether that be august september november december with the option to be the last when you're selling a put you're the last resort buyer of teladoc and i think that doing that for your positions selling puts on teladoc health selling puts on twist biosciences selling puts on pack bio and selling puts on bio genomics is a good thing um, let's take a look at news happening right now. Disruptive technologies packs. All right. So we know about desktop metal, Jinko Bioworks. Yes, I like those. Uh, actually, desktop metal is right now currently trading at $11 or $12. So it's actually an entry point. Uh, GNPK is going to be in the space infrastructure. Yes, Redwire. Agree with this. Uh, cellularity, I haven't studied. I'll take a look at it. Supposedly, it's the next evolution cellular medicine. I've studied human site and I would agree with this. Universally implantable regenerative human tissues. Yes, I believe in regenerative medicine. And so for AHAC, what we were doing was buying on the warrants. So the warrants are the way to actually make some money on the SPACs. So it's already uh, gone up. From February, from $2.150, it's now about $2.80. It's in an uptrend. So people are actually telling me, why is it that the warrants are going up but the stock is not? And the only answer that I can tell you is until AHAC changes name to Humasite, perhaps it's going to stay there at $10. Um, so I don't know how long you will wait. So if you're bullish on AHAC, you might as well just change it to Warren. That, that solves your problem immediately. Um, let's take a look at what Cellularity is doing. Let's read. Um not quite interested with um with software spacs okay uh i've i've read already human site this one is uh, space yeah so let me take a look uh gnp i've heard about this already so redwire it's um space related infrastructure 
arrival everybody knows about this this is about um buses electric buses where's cellularity anyway i'll put uh, i'll put a uh, lookout for cellularity cellularity is gonna go public through a spac merger Cooley advised cellularity this is a clinical stage biotech developing off-the-shelf allogenic therapies derived from postpartum human placenta. They're going to be a public company merging with GX acquisition, GXGX. So their new ticker symbol will be Salu and Salu Warrants. All right. So um, these stocks, including Sorrento Therapeutics, affiliates of Br Bristol-Myers Quib, Star Insurance, Dragasac, wholly owned subsidiary of Genting, Berhad, and private, private placements are going to have a post-transaction equity valuation of $1.7 billion dollars. In addition to the approximately $300 million held in their trust account, these investors can also have a, a participation of $80 million further of GX Class A common stock. Okay, um, the company is bolstering, continuing to build out internal discovery capabilities, off-the-shelf placenta-derived allogenic cell therapies. I studied this one. Uh, I'll take a look at this one. Uh, GX, GX. They have a multi-year strategic partnership with Palantir Technologies. So far, what I've noticed is that almost all the best life sciences company, whether it be Schrodinger, CM Life Science, Jinko Bioworks, um, all of them are working with Palantir. It just makes me high conviction on why Palantir is going to win with several TAMs, several, several uh, businesses, whether it be with the government contracts, whether it be with biotech space, and uh, with each of their companies, even in the EVTOLs, they're working with um, Kel, a.k.a. Lilium. So even robotics, they also work with them. So I see the 10x uh, conglomerate in the Palantir Technologies. Let's read this. Uh, cellularity is leveraging all that deep cellular data set to accelerate the research and development, R&D. Um, the investment is going to be uh, $100 million in new funding. So their clinical stage, Palantir is also investing with them with a four. Uh, so this is what I like. Um, Palantir can have equity stakes with their own clientele because um, Palantir sees uh, business, the businesses that are partnering with them to actually grow over time. So Cellularity is employing Palantir's foundry platform, securing deep insights for Cellularity's discovery process development as well as manufacturing and biorepository operations. They're using Foundry, so it leverages AI, allowing for silo data sources into a common operating picture. Shiam Sankar is um, saying, yes, the CEO of Palantir. By the way, this is, the, this is one reason why I'm bullish with, um, with Jinko Bioworks, SRNG Warrant. So I bought this uh, last night, and I, continue, will buy, I, I will continue to buy it if it ever drops. So at $3, I'll continue to buy this. Soaring Eagle, aka Jinko Bioworks. So it's synthetic biology. Um... I like the fact that uh, they also took in Shiam Sankar to be part of their board of directors. So um, let, let's go again to that. Where was I? Cellularity. Where was that article that I was reading? All right. So Shiam Sankar uh, saying that um, their approach to cell therapies is grounded in highly proprietary placental cellular technology, has the potential to transform the field, suited to gen synergize with our data analytics capabilities, Leveraging cellularity's significant pool of valuable data, we will be able to generate meaningful insights advancing the current treatment landscape, guiding scientific research. Cell medicine represents the next frontier in the treatment of cancer and many other serious diseases despite advances on CAR-T. So um, 
diesel, uh, one cannot overlook the enormous value in deep analysis of large complex data sets related to genomics, secretomics, epigenetics, and biological performance of cells in manufacturing and clinically and clinical. Okay, so um, in our experience of two decades in the procurement of postpartum placentas from over 50,000 newborn donors, we have amassed a vast repository of data that could hold valuable insights guiding the development of future programs and with deep learning from AI innovator Palantir. Yeah, as part of this partnership, Cellularity is combining with GX, GX and uh, Palantir's investment will bring in new funding to our close combination. Good job actually for both Palantir and for GXGX. GXGX, how I'll do it is through the warrants. So um, it's going to merge already this month. So um, I do see that this $1.36 is going to go $2 and above. So I like to bet when the downside is low and the upside is as much as 200 to 300%. So I'll go for this one, GXGX warrants. I'm going to tell you a few things further. Uh, in China, there's a company called Nayuki, Hong Kong, so uh, 2150. I'm not sure why it's not moving here, but it got listed in Hong Kong. I think um, it's listed at six times price to sales, whereas uh, Heidi Lau is trading at three times price to sales. So I think that uh, both names are good. After a drop of Heidi Lau to, about, to a more attractive three times price to sales, since I believe uh, in spices as a whole, Spices and restaurants, uh, Asians definitely love hot pot. Um, Filipino Chinese are also in love with hot pot. So um, Heidi Lau is a play for me in the entire expansion. Heidi Lau is expanding not just in China, but also in um, Singapore, in Thailand, in, um, in Asian countries, basically. Not just China, Hong Kong. Let me read to you the entire story. Why I like Heidi Lau is that it represents to me uh, a growth story in twofold restaurants and also in spices because just like how how um how a company like a mcdonald's grew in heidi lao's case they're selling those packs so you can actually enjoy heidi lao hot pot even if you're at home so i like it that um i like the fact that i'm able to buy it at 50 percent lower right now and it's now three times price of sales I know why it fell. The reason why it fell was because all of the restaurants that they expanded are not doing well, definitely because of COVID pandemic. So it represents more of a reopening play and it represents the ability for the brand to actually recover in time. So as the valuations have become compelling, even if $40 goes down to $20, take note that I will be a continuous buyer. So uh, a 50% drop is attractive for me. An 80% drop is even more attractive. That's how I, uh, that's how I buy. It's down 60%. I would be enough. Uh, I would be a big buyer if it goes down 70 or 80%. So 40 and $20 is where I'll be buying uh, Heidi Lau. It's a cost averaging solution for me. I see this as a long-term buy. Okay, um, let's read Heidi Lau, uh, all the news from it. Um, I'm not sure if this is uh, in English. So um, for over 20 years, Heidi Lau is now running more than 400 plus restaurants. We went to Hong Kong and... Um, I think about a few years ago, I couldn't even enter Heidi Lau because, you know, um, it's just fully packed. Um, like, usually, the reason why um, a company is doing so well is that there's a lot of customer demand. So, party on Heidi Lau Hotpot. It's very simple, I know, but um, a simple brand can scale very well, just like how McDonald's and Shake Shack and Starbucks scale so well. So, um, I love brands like these. Uh, cuisine, uh, very simple for the Asian world. So China, Singapore, United States, Korea, Japan, Canada. 
So I'm playing this Australia, Malaysia, Vietnam, United Kingdom. They haven't gone to the Philippines, but in the Philippines where I reside, um, we can enjoy Haidila hot pot just by simply buying the pack. So we just do it uh, at home. So Haidila brand was founded in 1994 in Tianyang, Sichuan. Since 1999, it gradually opened up to markets in Xi'an, Chengzhou, and Beijing. In 2015, the restaurant opened up in Taiwan. They've got 10 stores opening, and um, by now, in 2017, the restaurant opened up in Hong Kong, opening two stores. After more than 20 years of development, Heidi Lao now runs 400-plus restaurants in 100-plus cities in China. They've got 800-plus branches and located cities are 160-plus. So um, when I take a look at Heidi Lao, I'm looking more on a competitor for Yum Brands, Yum China. So I know that you might think, Nikki, uh, eating hot pot and eating fast food, that's very far off. Like, uh, that's not the same. Well, that's true. But um, Heidi Lau pricing, price point is not so bad. It's not like, it's casual. I'd say it's casual, casual dining. Uh, similar to a Shake Shack. It's not fast food, but it's, it's not also that bad. <clears throat> so um, let me show it to you. This company actually have a, uh, yeah, I actually read a little on the news. Of course, they have bad results for 2020. It's obvious. Any restaurant is bad news. Um, so I know what I'm getting here. But let me show you all the stuff that, 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 that is positive on my end. Why I'm believing in it long term. So you know me. I think long term. Not thinking about the next two to three months. That's why we win. Okay, let me read to you. It's good that they have English so that um, the people who can't understand Chinese can read it. So outbreak of COVID pandemic um, faded gradually in China. Yes. Um, so I know that right now there's still COVID cases in China, uh, specifically in Guangzhou. Uh, but I do believe that, and, and then of course, there's the, those Delta variants. Nonetheless, um, they're well on their way to recovery. There are just like more than 1.7 billion doses already vaccinated all over the world. With China, U.S., and Russia and Australia actually doing very well in the in that uh, in, in a country standpoint, so this is more of a country play for me. Um, the fact that Young China, let me show to you the discrepancy. Young China, of course, operates KFC and um, Pizza Hut in China. Take note; these are all-time highs. So um, I do think that that is gonna be what's gonna happen with Heidi Lau. Heidi Lau hot pot, and so that is my template. What happened in McDonald's, what happened in uh, in in Chipotle, for instance, is gonna happen to Heidi Lau as well, which is gonna go all time highs, recovery to all time highs. Uh, let me see to you. Uh, let me share to you the things that they've done. The company sped up all the efforts to open restaurants when the business conditions gradually recovered. So of course, epidemic rage overseas severely affecting our restaurant in overseas markets. Throughout 2020, in a pandemic, they opened 544 new Haidilao restaurants, and now they've expanded to 1,300. So there's, they are a growth company, just like what any Starbucks would do. They now have 1,200 restaurants in mainland China, 93 restaurants outside mainland China, including 14 countries such as Hong Kong, Macau, Taiwan, Singapore, Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia, South Korea, Japan, UK, US, Canada, Australia, making the brand Haidilao known all throughout spreading the Chinese-style services overseas. After years of hard work, Haidilao is widely recognized by customers. They serve more than 250 million customers already. An average turnover rate of 3.5 times per day. Number of Haidilao members increasing to over 71 million. 
So it's similar like a Starbucks, right? Um, 71 million loyalty card, loyalty cards, something like that. So um, our members' day is an online reunion wherein there are new products, evaluation meetings, do-it-yourself face paid in order to improve the member experience and stickiness. We also entered into cooperation with many banks for the convenience of customers. We aligned the dine-in membership system with a takeout membership system. And we provided discounts to customers who ordered takeout or picked it up in our restaurants and launched fresh products and convenience food so that the customer can enjoy Heidi Lao cuisine at home. So I was saying that I like Heidi Lao because you can take it out, uh, take home. For instance, like in the Philippines, we don't even have Heidi Lao here. I can just enjoy Heidi Lao hot pot because I have those Heidi Lao packs. So um, it is something like if you're buying uh, seasoning and, and spices, if you are a believer of McCormick spices in the long term, this is just like that. McCormick spices for the Chinese cuisine. It's like Kiko Man for China, Chinese diners uh, in the case of hot pot. So it's really a staple. So um, it's a growth story for me. Uh, and I like the fact that they're diversified. Let me show to you the revenues. Um, it was an arduous year for all sectors of society, the catering industry, um, significant decline for the year, management shortcomings, yes. We failed to find some effective solutions for the customer experience. So we had to do a lot of deep reflection. So out, our outlook is, um, initiatives, of course, is we're going to still expand our coverage of our restaurants and increase our restaurant density. We will enhance the dining experience by offering more value-added services to the guests. For your information, if you wait in the line of Heidi Lao Hot Pot, they just give you free massages, free, free services. That's a value-add. That's why there are so many people who love to go to Heidi Lao and eat because um, even if you're waiting, um, they're able to give you that customer experience that you'd, that you'd love. Like they can just clean your nails and stuff. So, I mean, I know it's a weird thing, but Asians love um, those value-added services. The dividend, uh, they gave about $0.02, cents Hong Kong, uh, equivalent to about $0.18 cents yuan. Not bad. Um, the fact that they just willingly will give dividends is, a, is an appreciation to their shareholders, even on a, on a, on a hard year like 2020. Okay, um, revenue so far for the year, for 2019 to 2020, was up um, 7%. Something that Starbucks can't say, right? Um, well, Starbucks only grew after recovery. So, um, yeah. So, by the way, I'm a believer of Starbucks as well. I, I will discuss later on what's happening with the coffee space and what happened to the defrauded coffee, which is uh, Luckin Coffee as well. So, okay. Uh, revenue from Heidi Lau Operation. 95% of revenues are in China, of course. Um, and it came from business expansion. Turnover rate is still good, three and a half times per day. That's why I think about it like a fast food because if you're having that turnover, that's kind of fast. Average spending per guest is 110 yuan. That's roughly, guys, about seven, uh, around 800 Philippine pesos. In U.S. terms, that about, that's about $16. So it's not that expensive if you think about it. Average spending per guest. So you can see that um, it's, it's really more like a fast food for Chinese people. Okay, it's not fast food, casual dining, all right. That's the proper term. Okay, um, yeah, so you're seeing growth. Tier 1 cities, 255 restaurants. Tier 2 cities, 499. Tier 3 cities and below, 451. This is an expansion of consumer expenditure. You know about how Chinese people uh, have, have promoted third baby policy, right? That's also a secular trend that will benefit Heidi Lau. Um, of course, um, as more and more people even um, appreciate Chinese brands, 
uh, I think that it's a good brand that's expanding outside mainland China. So in Asia, I'm pretty sure that we love uh, hot pot. Not quite sure if Americans love their hot pots, but there's a lot of Chinese Americans as well and Chinese Europeans and Chinese o or Asians there. I'd say that um, there is that growth. Anyway, uh, most of their expansion is in Asia. You can see 75 stores opened in Asia. And uh, I'm pretty sure they just did a little exploratory moves in Europe and Oceania just to serve those customers. But mostly this is an Asian-based um, um, business for now. China and Asia. Okay, um, what was I gonna share? Heidi Lau, I like. Okay, so I like um, last night there was also Luckin Coffee. They restated their financials. So this is a company that had an accounting scandal. They paid just a few million dollars, like 10, 20 million dollars for the financials to be fixed and rebooked. So this one suffered from $28 all the way to about $2 or a 90% decline owing to an accounting scandal. And so far from $2, it has already gone 5x, uh, 6x to about $11, $12 simply because of a change in management. I'll read to you the exact news on Luckin Coffee. Um, Luckin Coffee is going to be the competition. Uh, of course, in the past, they said it's a competition of uh, Starbucks. But with fraudulent management, of course, you can't compete with Starbucks. You have to be truthful to your investors. So they had a scandal, accounting scandal. Um, the big news that, ha that has been perking up is, of course, the restatement of their second quarter and third quarter financial results in 2019. And my guess is that the market is seeing this as a turnaround play. So um, they actually managed to have a billion dollars pre-IPO so they can pay their creditors if ever. And um, we'll see whether there's going to be an acquisition on Lucky Knock Coffee someday. Uh, but nonetheless, it's not a buy for me. I'm just sharing to you news. Um, the real buy for me is Nayuki. Um, yeah, Nayuki, which is quite expensive. But since Nayuki is expensive today, I hope to get it at a cheaper price. Nayuki IPO, I'm going to read to you. TP responds, the fir world's first milk tea firm in South China. No problem. Um, I love it. So um, I'll be happy. The reason if the fruit tea company is flopping is because it's six times price to sales. So um, I do want to buy it lower if I could. So let me read to you this one. Uh, shares of Nayuki opened 4% lower despite strong investor interest in the company IPO. Um, they sold about $20 um, Hong Kong. 250 million price were uh it's approximately four billion dollars at 4.5 billion dollars i think some people want a better discount because this is six times price the sales so um if you're gonna compare nayuki versus um versus as as i said heidi lao it's uh heidi lao is a cheaper way and it's a growth play as well in the same in the same area so um nonetheless if this goes down near ten dollars it's gonna be a buying opportunity in my view so watch out for this nayuki this is a good, this is gonna be a good IPO to enter into. Um yeah. People are comparing Nayuki to Heidi Lau and to Matiao. Yes, uh people think tea chains are very different from restaurants. Um Nayuki uh has burned close to 137 million yuan opening stores. Their tea sales have dropped 27% because of 2020 pandemic. And uh, so some people are afraid that uh, there are less people who, who will drink milk tea and fruit tea going forward. I'd say no, uh, but um, let's, let's, give it a, uh, let's give it some time. Um, okay, let's read some more. No? In, in, in China, some of your Chinese cars are all doing V-shaped recovery. Xpeng is listing uh, its Hong Kong shares this year. 
the fifth largest stock listing this year, pricing it at 11% premium versus the U.S. So um, this is XPEV. It already rose from about $21, $22 here to as high as $44, so almost 100%. If there's significant interest in Hong Kong, XPEV can hit as high as $52 or $60. I'm looking to actually tell some, uh, I've been saying to some clients to actually sell calls on XPEV at $60. And same thing for NEO. Uh, if NEO and XPEV hit $60 above, think that's a good selling area. So whether you're selling calls or, yeah, selling calls is appropriate for those who have shares. It's not a naked sell. It's a covered call option. Okay. Um, there's so many news. Eh? Like last night, uh, Czech actually had a placement at 1.1. So um, for Czech, this is a company that does cancer-related strategies for, uh, for colon cancer. Uh, they're raising money. So what I can only say here is that at $1, people bought it up. And um, there's insignificant interest. That's why they were able to hit a placement. Sometimes a placement can take a long while. It could consolidate from $1 to $140. But those who believe in, uh, in the company being able to hit uh, a lot of uh, solution for colon cancer, you might want to buy into $1. Uh, but really, if you have a lot of healthcare stocks, just be aware um, that there's a lot of IPOs coming out in the healthcare space as well. You have more, uh, more, op more options to, to pick which company you want. Um, another example, Palantir is working and investing with Babylon Health, another SPAC that I don't know about. So um, Babylon Health is, what I can clearly tell you is that Palantir is active in life sciences. If there's one thing that you want to be sure of, Palantir is a winner in all of these. So um, Kevin Kawasaki, Palantir's head of business development, finding an opportunity with truly management, a talented management team with a big vision. We provide a data operating system, investing billions of dollars in R&D. Palantir helps government agencies collect, la la la. Okay, so it is also part of the SPAC 50 index. Um, Babylon is um, a part of a long-term relationship. They're working with health insurance companies, providing mobile services to patients. They provide the method of providing patients with easier, cheaper access to healthcare providers, including primary care, emergency care, specific treatments. Uh, Parcel founded this company in 2013, about seven, eight years ago. They've signed up with agreements with governments like Rwanda. So that's Africa, right? Rwanda. They launched services in 2020 through a partnership with insurance company. Babylon Health is expected to trade at $4 billion at the second half of this year. It's a bet on life sciences. Palantir is investing a lot in healthcare. Um, Dr. Bill Katz, Katzler is saying that um, in ito, um, Palantir is going to be the Babylon Health is Palantir's first digital health pack, but they already have a lot of other areas in life sciences. So, um, yeah, because Palantir also agreed to invest in Roy Vant Sciences. Um, Shiam Sankar is already a partner in Cellularity, also a partner in Sarcos Robotics, also a partner in, in Jinko Bioworks. I'd say that Palantir is uh, a, uh, a, big, a, big, uh, no, a big player in the life sciences demo. In fact, in the life sciences, and it demoed it actually, whether they were working with Schrodinger, SDGR. A lot of AI is needed when you're doing technology space. So um, I'd say that for people who are not investing in, in any uh, biotech, you have to uh, at least, at the very least, put a 5% position 
in five names. And um, if you don't want to think what company, just go for um, the Palantir Investments. Because I think Palantir's, Palantir is able to help them uh, unlock. For instance, for Jinko Bioworks, that is a huge uh, partner for Moderna. Those are very important things. Um, you might not believe what Sarcos Robotics does, but I think um, it's worth a dive. It's worth a deep dive. Okay. Um, that's where I'm focused upon. I'll, I'll be saying the truth. I'm focusing right now on studying more healthcare and more biotech SPACs. Uh, in terms of IPOs, very strong movements. Yes, uh, Clear went up. Graphite Bio. Didi Chusheng, I'm not surprised why it didn't go up because it's expensive to begin with. Like a billion dollars. Uh, sorry, $60 billion valuation. So you're there. I mean, I'm just sharing what I'm thinking. Um, so there's a question. What do you think of Didi? I'll avoid it. Um, Uber made some money there. Uh, a lot of companies made a lot of money, such as uh, Tencent and SoftBank. They were an early stakeholder in Didi. Usually, um, the first five weeks or the first 20 weeks of, uh, of a company that is valued perfectly, like Didi Chusheng, um, you're not going to get many, uh, you're not going to make much. So I think from a risk-reward standpoint, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be interested with Didi Chusheng. So yeah, thanks for asking about that. UEC, the uranium giant of um, that's huge in Canada, isn't it? Uh, Alberta, Canada. I haven't studied this one. I was planning to study all these uh, UECs, UEX. Uh, I'm waiting for it to go down to two dollars. I feel as if I missed out, right? So from fifty cents, eighty cents, it went as high as uh, three dollar fifty. Usually, uh, after a company goes 5x, 10x, I do think that the reason why it continues to go higher is the secular trend, that uranium is a cheaper form of energy for a renewable world. Nonetheless, um, when I take a look at the entire sector, I feel as if I've missed out, um, whether it be UEX or UEC. Uh, there's a lot, right? Um, I, I, I took a look eh, um, for uranium. Um, I, I still didn't do a deep dive. But um, I'm leaning on to just putting it in my watch list. Not yet a buyer. Um, in terms of buying, I'll tell you what. Tonight, if GSAT gives you a drop at 170 below, this is an entry point. Another solution is uh, this one I, I, I think I'm, I'm willing to buy. So Triple D Systems, we already know, uh, is really a, a, an, AD, uh, an additive manufacturing player for uh, now working with life sciences as well for breast tissues. So um, you might want to enter at 36 to 33 on any drops. So I'm, I'm just right now looking for buying the dips. Uh, if Example, I like Coinbase, I like Square. If they fall, I'll buy. But if they're not falling, I don't mind. Um, NBIX, I've heard about this, but I haven't studied it either. I didn't study 3S Bio either. Can't say much. Uh, NBIX was strong last night, right? Neurocrine Biosciences. I think this has to do with cancer, is it? Let me just take a look. Neurocrine Biosciences. Uh, it's just in my watch list, but I've never bought any anything in it. They develop treatments for neurological and endocrine-related diseases and disorders. Yeah, it is a what? It's probably a $10 billion company, isn't it? I, I think this is already uh, an advanced stage uh, biotech company. It's $10 billion, see? I would have thought it's like 10 billion because this one is a very old company already. I'm actually investing more in the uh the like the the new ones. So, like example, if I invested here 2014, $10 is $100. That's what I'm looking for, like the next 10x. So, I'm looking for the next NBICs. 
So um, usually for my sector coverages, I'm trying to find either a SPAC biotech that is about 2 to $3 billion or less. Um, so that's where I'm looking at. And then I'm trying to study how huge their, um, their, address, their total addressable market would be. So far, I'd say yes for Humasite. I'm also yes for, for Jinko Bioworks. Give me some time. I guess I'll study more. I'll try to study that cellularity. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying $10 billion biotech names. If I'm going to buy a $10 billion biotech name, I'd rather just go for the originals, like, uh, for, for, like, uh, for the ones that I already know about. So like, um, I'll just stick to Editas, CRISPR, Intelia, the usual, Invite, um, yeah. So I'll just stick to the usual. But if it's packs, I've been buying CM Life. Oh yeah, um, I'm down I think in Aria, right? So not is still down. Yeah, this one I'm still down. Ah, okay, it's back. It's ten dollars. Yeah, I, it, initially it fell to nine, so I was initially down. Now it's ten. Yeah, so Nautilus. Yeah, we are a we are a buyer of Nautilus as well, aka Aria. So yun. Thanks. It's been a long time. Bye bye.